The excitement is hard to contain. I cannot wait to share with you what I truly believe is a gem in the desert. The House of Neighborly Service, which serves as the YWCA's South Tucson campus, is growing into a community hub and a neighborhood gathering space, a celebration of its 75-year history. We're talking about stewardship, sustainability, resiliency, and climate action, all through the lens of community and partnership. Hello, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, and this is Down to Earth Tucson. Honoring the past and building a resilient future, the House of Neighborly Service. That's the title for our show. And is it any wonder why I'm as excited as heck? Um, I hope not. This isn't only a great story about a very special place in our community. It's about my getting to spend time with a person that I love, admire, and respect more than I can articulate. Let's just embarrass her on the air. Please join me in welcoming Leanne Hernandez, who is many things, including that of a devoted and enthusiastic staff member of the YWCA of Southern Arizona. You can't put her in a bio. It's wonderful to have you here, my friend. And you knew I was going to do this. I I love to be around you. Yes, you're red, (laughs) bright red. And I'm excited to share with my listeners a little bit more about you. I could spend quite a bit of time before we dive in, but I do want to tell people that, yes, you are a, a staff member at the YWCA in Tucson. True. And you are a convener. And you work to create space for individuals and organizations to do the work of inclusive community building. I want to say that again. To create space for individuals and organizations to do the work of inclusive community building. Trained as an art historian, chef, and cultural anthropologist, Leanne is a student of the questions of what community is, who gets to participate when and how. There are many more Leanne Hernandez accomplishments, and I hope you take more time to learn about her by clicking on the link in the show notes. But that description does a good job of trying to capture her essence and how she shows up in the world every day. And a personal story for me is I have literally called Leanne crying, unable to breathe, and saying, help me get there. And I'm I'm getting choked up. There's a lot of bad news out there. And... um, I never know when this emotion is going to hit, but it's very real. And when I talk about a convener and a healer and a helper, she always takes my call. And if she's on a call, she calls me back because she's a person that I turn to to give me hope when it's really hard. It's really hard these days. So how would you even begin to describe HNS? That's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. It's like I you invited me there or Mike Peel did. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I went down there. And they had me from hello. Yeah. And I don't understand that exactly, but that place had me. Yeah. So why? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, uh, well, first, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, too long since I saw your face. Agreed. Face to face, which is really cool. I was so excited you were coming to the studio. It's been a great week for studio guests. Absolutely. So HNS, I mean, I think it's just, you know, it is a place. It's not something contrived. It's not something that we're putting in, you know, and creating marketing around. It's it's it is a place. It's a place that's meant a lot in the community for seventy five years, right? It's a it's a legacy. I think that that's what's really special about it. Then there's so many of those kind of spaces in Tucson that I think we often don't readily see, but um, it was interesting. Uh, we had the seventy fifth anniversary in December. 
and uh, I got to go uh, pick up Sue, who used to who whose father um, was a director of uh, H&S at the very beginning, and she grew up on campus. Her she and her family lived in um, Building Four, what was there, what was then the house, and um, she was telling me stories, and I love when people tell me their stories, and to me that is what H&S is right it's this yeah. it's this vessel and this place that is alive and kids come and play with their parents on the playground and they walk around the loop and play basketball and go to classes when it's when we're we're back in full functioning but i think it's a it's a culmination of a a hopeful space you know it's always been about creating um service and being in community with the neighbors, seeing place them. together. Yeah, and seeing the people who live in the neighborhood that it's part of as neighbors, as collaborators, as supporters, as friends. And so it's, it's, it's all about seeing people as fully human, right? And, and I think we are just so lucky at the YW to have been able to have the opportunity to steward the next 75 years of this right. amazing space. And it needed it. It yeah, needed sure. the partnership because sure. when we went in, you know, it was somewhat in disrepair and neglected sure. Sure. because where is the money going to come from? Right. It's not a city park making all of the changes. And to see the community, that's one of the things I loved. And for everybody that doesn't know, it's a physical space with a number of buildings on it. There's a playground, there's a basketball court, there's um, a place to have picnic tables and gatherings. So there's a lot of dreams that have come true there, but now there's a lot of dreams being put in place to have it be like a neighborhood hub, a safe place to go and hang out. And I watched it. And it's been a while because yeah. I life has taken some different turns for me. Sure. But to go there and to see the city council members from South Tucson participate mm-hmm. in the cleanup, which I do, and I don't like it. I'm being honest. I don't <laughs> like it at all. It's like I did a trash pickup in the Rita with my rotary, and they named me Wendy the Whiner. And they said, shut up, Gina. Just put more trash in your bag and get somebody else to help you carry it. But... This, the reward that you get, the sense of community. We've done sure. whole, dug holes to plant trees on yeah. that property. And, and I w- I'm proud of myself. I got other partners to participate for much needed things that they Absolutely. donated. Yeah. But it makes you want to do that. It That's does. the part. You get there and you're like, how can we help this? And yeah, and it's like, how can I play my part, right? Yes, yes. How can I play my part? And there's every generation, which I always love, mm-hmm. don't ever put me in a community where it's 55 and older because I won't do well. I want like five days old and up. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what I want for it's my special. community. So let's talk a little bit more about, so that it's a sense of place and all that that means, a sure. gathering place, a special place. It's in South Tucson. People are connected. The neighbors really, um, they want to be part of things that happen there. Sure. They, they they will gather. I hope there are lots of quinceañeras and weddings and all of that stuff. But when you started, mm-hmm. it's it's very impressive to me that the YWCA has made climate action, climate change, climate resilience a priority. Yeah. It's up front and it's right there with you and Magda. I mean, it's it's all real. So why did you decide as one of the first things to participate in something that's really tough, which is the 2030 district's audit. 
And people don't know what the 2030 district is, but it's it's a an organization, a, a national organization that really works with communities to become, um, to reduce their um, gas, electric, water, and transportation, their carbon footprint sure. by 30% by the year 2030. Mm-hmm. 50% maybe? 50%. 50%. 50%. So it's an onerous audit. It was a lot of work, a lot yeah. of people. So why did you decide to do that? And what all did you look at? It was a big <laughs> deal. I was yeah. on some of those calls hearing the reports and it's like lots of benchmarking, as Mike Peel would say. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think uh, I'm so thankful to the 2030 district, first of all. And I think it's been a long time coming. Um, when when 2030 first came to uh, Tucson with with Peter Dobber, Dobrovolny. Dobrovolny. I can say it fast three times. I call him, you know, Peter D. Dobrovolny, <laughs> yes. You know, when I first met him, this was years ago, and uh, Mike was still working at Pima College, and we started gathering wow. at the Bonita campus, right? That's when there a was long a Bonita time campus ago. at yes. Pima. And, um, right. And uh, we had all gone to, I think, the Bally Conference in Phoenix that Kimber had helped, you know, Memories. bring. Right? Oh my, that's and where so, I met you. Yeah. So we came back from that Bally Conference just waiting, wa- waiting and, 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 and trying to create space for what do we do next? How do the 13 of us that went, why did I remember that? How did the 13 of us that went, like, how do we do this work in Tucson? Right, right. right. And so I think out of doubt that kind of organizing and thinking and, and, and wanting to create space for sustainability as a conversation, a multidimensional nuanced conversation, um, you know, I got invited to the table and the 2030 is really about, you know, property owners who have uh, uh, commercial buildings. Um, but I, I felt it was really my responsibility to remind folk that we were in Menlo Park having those conversations. And yes, we're in Pima College, but we're part and we're right, right, right. next to, just past this wall, our neighbors. And so how, is, how are we thinking about you know, doing the work, but also letting the neighbors know that what was happening so that they could take advantage of it too, because we're right there. And I think it's important to recognize that in these, even in these commercial districts, that there are people who live and who have lived generationally in these spaces. And so how do we, you know, kind of open up the conversation there? And so that's when we started doing Aleph and all of the other stuff that we did uh, in the early years. So, yeah, I've been, I mean, you know, inviting 2030 to, to organize and, and, and take root um, in the YWCA as a gathering space. Right. I was at the table, so I wanted us to be at the table. And it's taken some time and a couple of iterations, but... Um, we were finally there, and you know, I think um, we have a very forward-looking visionary leader at the YW. I think we do, and yeah. she sat in that very chair. Like I said, it's been a banner week for me yeah. getting interview Magda, and then um, Matt Flores was here from Goodwill yesterday. Another one of us. He's one of us. Yeah, wanting to bring about positive change with a very clear lens on. Um, lower socioeconomic impacted humans. Because first and worst, right? At the end of the day, first First and worst have to be at the table. And longest. Absolutely. It's just going to be unbelievable. So you, I think it's important for our listeners to understand because it was a lot for me Mm. as a lay person that they go in and they basically... Just excuse the comparison. They like go through your underwear drawer. Absolutely. That's how I feel. They just like everything comes out. They look at all the pipes, 
the toilets, the faucets, all of the electrical wiring. The roof. The roof. They measure the output, the, the, the building structure. The windows. The windows. So they're giving you a full look at the envelope yep. of this, this footprint. And, you know, I, I mentioned Mike Peel a lot. First of all, he's one of my best friends and we talk several times a week. But he's he's all about benchmarking. It drives yeah. me nuts. You to know I'm, where you are to know where you're oh going. Oh my God, that's what he says. He goes, if you can't measure it, it didn't happen. I'm like, Mike, stop saying that to me. Mm-hmm. But it's true. So you have a very comprehensive report. Very. And it gives... 200 lo- plus pages, y'all. It's it's like <laughs> my old eyes roll back in my head. Yeah. I'd rather be connecting other dots. That's why there's people that like Peter and Damien and um, other people people that really, the Pima College representative, that are really um, committed to the actual physical plant because there, there's so much thought in the sustainability world about we have to start thinking about sustainability in the built environment yeah, sure. forever. First and foremost, we have to build buildings that are more climate res- resilient. I mean, that's all there is to it. Sure. So what other things are happening? In, in, in the notes that I read... Is there going to be the opportunity for community health work at that campus? Oh my because gosh. people can walk to it. It's accessible. It's safe. There's no cultural barriers. Mm-hmm. It's not like getting on three buses and going to, even if you go to um, Broadway South, I mean, it's like there's a, you have to try to get there. So what's right. going to happen with going to happen with community health, which will become more challenging as it gets hotter? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that's... Uh, Really on the minds of so many people who are much smarter than me. But, you know, we have um, a wonderful staff member who's uh, at H&S. And, uh, and so they, you know, they work really hard to be in community and, and to provide um, opportunities for the YWCA to have a, a place at the table. But right now, um, you know, the, the focus has been so much on COVID and ensuring that there is... Uh, vaccination happening, that there's opportunities for immunization, that there's opportunities for testing. And so, you know, really being in that, being in that place to offer meeting spaces when necessary, but also just, you know, how do we look at the network of folk who are volunteering for the YW, um, namely the promotoras who are health educators around uh, sexual and domestic violence, but who are learning so many different modalities and understandings of, of what it means to have a well community. And so then they come in and with their superpower of being able to, you know, speak multiple their languages. superpower, yes. You know, their bilingualism allows them to speak um, to neighbors and and share information and build trust. And so we've seen uh, with the work that, uh, you know, that uh, Healthy South Tucson has been doing, we've seen uh, vaccinations and immunizations going up by 50% in the, in the, in the city of South Tucson. We've seen, you know, uh, folks getting the information and making choices with that information, that's beautiful. And so now turning that eye to how does the community itself, that one mile by one mile little patch of, of that is the city of South Tucson, how do we get um, folks to work across, um, you know, the barrier that is present, right? Because it's a very walkable community. It's a very rideable uh, bike riding community. Um, but there is historically, you know, Sixth Avenue, that um, kind of splits the community in half, it has been historically a way like folks who live on one side of the six stay on one side of six and the other really? folks. Yeah, absolutely. Because because it was dangerous for children who are like running around and playing to, to cross, cross that street. street. And it. so moms taught them not to. And that, 
you know, and, and for safety reasons. It makes and, perfect sense. And it's become, then, right, this behavior that makes complete sense, maybe rooted in trauma, but just rooted in, in safety, it becomes, you know, personality. This is what Resma Benicum talks about, you know, with trauma is that it becomes like person, it becomes to look like personality. And then over time, it gets decontextualized and it becomes culture. And so that's what has happened. And so there's, there's lots of folks like the folks over at Avenidas and Avenidas and 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 Galeria Mitotera who are working to really get folks to go across that semipermeable barrier. If you love will. it, right? love it. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's a physical barrier it that is. can create it. And one of the things that's inherent in HNS, and this is part of my journey, which is yeah. ever, ever, ever continuing, is when I was working at CE Rose Elementary sure. with a mentoring program. You know having respect for learning from growing because of cultural differences sure. is the enrichment part. And we learned that if we wanted to have a successful evening event, right. there was one word that mattered, family. Yeah, Don't ask them to go get a babysitter and have them, the moms, mostly moms come, let the kids come, talk over the noise and the squealing and the yelling, you know, and just ask them to bring food. It was- it Or was, have it, yeah. Have it or have it, we had miraculous things happen sure. because we had caretakers that cared enough about us that were coming in from you know north of Broadway to do it right yeah. and ensure it be successful. And yeah. with House of Neighborly Service, that's kind of a built-in. Yeah, you don't have to like, yeah, you have like all of those things going on. Sure. And the elders yeah. in a culture that actually respects elders, which is probably why I love it. The, the more elder I become, the more I want to be around cultures that respect you because of your wisdom. Oh, and I believe you still have a contributing totally. voice, right? Totally, totally, totally. And Promodoras, my face lights up every time we talk about that because I've done shows about them and the impacts they have on community. Incredible. With building trust. Building trust. Because there's all these people that have come into communities, taken advantage, done heinous things, some good things, but building the trust is not an issue if you're hiring people and working with them that already know their community because they're a part of it. I mean, it's really unbelievable. So there'll be community health things ever growing. Absolutely. What about um, like in the beginning, like I said, COVID kind of changed everything. Is that an understatement? Hello? It it was a a major pivot, right? It was a major pivot, but I also think it was an opportunity because it illuminated things that people had been saying for literally hundreds of years, right? It illuminated inequities and way that are unavoidable. Right. And people are changing. There's really some very good positive changes that I believe are going to come about that will now become the new normal, like a lot of people working from home and how, how efficient and how productive that can be. And producing no CO2 emissions. Mm. What are some of the visions for it? Because when I first started just being involved in hearing the talk and understanding it, there's lots of classrooms. What kind Mm -hmm. of classes would you like to have in there, especially given the robust um, offerings that Magda Mm -hmm. articulated on Mm -hmm. our show Mm -hmm. that that it will be out? I think it's coming out April 7th. Oh, nice. But what kind of things would you like to have that are site-based? And again, eliminating the need for transportation and all of those barriers Mm -hmm. to access for services are going to be there. Yeah. So what do you want? What's your vision for some of the things that we can look forward to. Yeah, so I think you know um, the plan moving forward is that we would have a satellite um, space for our women's business center. 
Hey, you're going to need it with all the things that are going on. There. You're going to need space. We have a very ambitious crew. <laughs> know. Unbelievable. A lot yeah. of bi- big dream. And, Love it. And, and recognizing the need to do everything very biculturally and bilingually. Yes. Yep. Right. And so any class that's offered in English is also offered and duplicated in Spanish. And the coaching is available and the one-on-ones are available in Spanish as well. And so... Um, you know, having those those spaces available for vote to come to is going to be really important, and so that that all those kind of robust programming from WBC, the Women's Business Center, will be there. Um, we also have a lot of our Latina Leadership Institute um, work will be uh, shifting to House Enabling Service. And uh, if you go on a Monday night and are interested in uh, folklorico dance and movement, uh, there's uh, the promotoras they have our folklorico. Uh, Folklorico uh, dance group. Okay, and you got to so, be kidding me. Yeah, See, yeah, no, it's talk great. about fun, the yeah. fun factor. Yeah. Well, and the, and and also, you know, Imelda recognizing that in order for survivors to truly heal, they have to get in their bodies, and there has to be some focus on joy and remembering, um, remembering joy, right. Yeah, I know joy. I remember that. It's kind of like snow. What is this thing of which you speak? (laughs) Joy and snow. And so to be able to dance together and move and laugh, it's it's so beautiful. They listen to, you know, music. There's this wonderful instructor, Mariana, who um, who just is a a Zumba instructor, and so she brings that like really healthy wellness based. Talk about joy, joie de vivre. Oh my gosh, so amazing! And they're they're doing incredible work. It was just you know it was an opportunity to move together, but they've just taken it and run with it. So you know, I think two weeks ago they were at the consulate and they were tabling and then dancing and doing all the things. And that's not dancing on the tables, tabling and dancing. Okay, got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, let a little humor here. Enunciate, enunciate. (laughs) You did. It was me. Like going to a really bad place because I feel way too comfortable. It's hilarious. Um, it is um, hilarious. No, but they're wonderful. And so, you know, creating that modality for healing has been really important and thinking thinking that through. Um, I think one of the lessons of COVID that I take away and, and think through and, and hope that my team are digging into is that wellness matters. You know, we get to be fully human, even as workers and even as um, as moms, even as, you know, community members, even as whatever, in all of our evenness, right? We're fully human and, and that looks like a whole range of things. And so focusing on wellness, um, you know, you asked the question earlier, why the pivot to environmental justice? And because we don't have well communities if we don't deal with this. This is the existential crisis of our, of our, of our generation. Hard stop. Period, right? Existential crisis of our generation. But it is a crisis is. that we're going to have to face together. We got into it collectively, we get out of it collectively. Yep. And so the importance of creating spaces where trust can be cultivated, where, where difference can be acknowledged and not worked as something to be worked through, but embraced as a way of being able to view different things differently, I think there's opportunities. And so we start with conversation, we start with community, and then we learn that we didn't get here as individuals, like the whole concept and lie of rugged individualism, it doesn't pertain. It's like we got here collectively, get out collectively. Whoever said that? Oh, I mean, I think just, it has its place, right? There's some ideas about that. I mean, and if you're, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, I think that that matters. But, but, but at the end of the day, we we don't just live this life based on our individual actions, right? There's systemic things at play that impact our access to you know, any number of resources as well as um, the ability to to make change. And and it's 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 something we have to work through with each other and, you know, build that capacity 
to listen, build that capacity to feel compassion and empathy, um, and feel that capacity to make change and have that kind of righteous indignation to make some good trouble. As, right, right. You know, disruptor for said. good. Yeah, for sure. Disruptor for good. It's important. And you know, as you talk, like this is a person that I'm sitting with, spending time with that signs her emails in community mm. instead of like um, yours, rugged individuals. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, individuals. But it, it's that thoughtfulness about. What got us here mm-hmm. is not going to get us to the next level. It's no. going to have to be new paradigms. It's going to have to be cooperation. And this is the thread that is so easy for me to weave through all of this because you think about why would an employer care? Well, I can tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because A, we have a really broken workforce right now. Sure. It's really scary. People, everything I go to, every dinner, every go out for drinks, every meeting, where are the people? Mm-hmm. And not only are you going to be able to help with that, it's a bilingual component. Mm-hmm. Do we are, are we paying attention to the number of people in our city that are bilingual? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. And I want to have that blessing someday. Mm-hmm. I have so many ideas for when I'm not working so mm-hmm. hard and learning to be better in Spanish is it's the most beautiful language. I just have to learn how to roll my R's and mm-hmm. I do practice. But the whole sense of it's it's the community that's going to help us survive. And you and I have talked about it. Like I freaked out last summer, I did, mm-hmm. about cooling centers and sure. started asking people and asking people, well, you are on it. Other people are on it. We need... And, and a cooling center, for those of you that don't know, which I maybe five years ago didn't, are places in cases of extreme heat that people with ac- without access to some cooling mechanism, whether it be an evaporative cooler, which, oh, by the way, doesn't work in the middle of July in Tucson, True. and or maybe even a fan to plug in, or air conditioning, they can go there and it's safe and there will be water. Mm-hmm. Because when you put all that taxing on the grid, electricity can go out and water can be in short supply. So a safe place for people who are the most hardest Mm -hmm. socioeconomically impacted anyway, Mm -hmm. this is going to be another layer. Mm -hmm. And and having a place, not that HNS is going to be a cooling center, but you'll have access to information where it is and get the word out in those regards. So I am hoping that at some point you'll put up that there's going to be cooking classes because (laughs) I know that a lot of those women really can cook and I, I have a lot to learn. So I'd love to learn how to make a really good salsa. I could probably just ask you. Um, we made some the other day and it, it ended up working out, but it wasn't, it's not going to be winning any awards. Um, <laughs> but I think like all those opportunities, right? Like I, I think about, we know, we know collectively, right? We have this sense that we do better with each other. And I mean, even for folks who are like, um, what do you call it? Uh, introverts. Right, there is a certain level to which you have to have other folk yes. around, right? Yes. You have to have the end of people's energy because we're not always our own best friends. And I think one of the one of the really beautiful parts of of H and S is that it has a tradition and legacy of community building. And so it's real easy when folks show up, you know, people show up and all of a sudden, oh, there's drinks, oh, there's food, oh, there's music, oh, there's laughter, right? And and it feels here. really I organic, want to come back here. right? There's yeah. a, there's a space for me, right, to get right. in where I fit in, right? And uh, I think that's a really special 
thing. We need community. And, and coming out of COVID, we're going to need these spaces, you know, be they discreet or smaller. I think, you know, I as we're kind of opening up again in the city, um, I've been starting to go to more public events. Right. And to see folks, right? And it's incredible it's, how people just like, how I people can just hug kind of you. like, oh I my can God, see. Right? I know, there's it's a lot amazing. of joy. There's a lot. And that's a lesson from COVID. And also picking and choosing about the things that I did that I didn't want to do. Sure. And don't pick that up again. But then there's things that I, and you're right, just seeing people, it's like you just say, isn't it great to be out again? Right. And who knows what's next? But no matter what, I, the, you know, friends of mine at the university say COVID was just one. Oh, sure. There's more coming. But the difference is, we will be a nation more prepared for it because of all these things. Hopefully we have learned some things and we will be able to respond more quickly and and have connections that weren't in place until this happened. I mean, it was, when you think about it, what a time in history yeah. that we'll be writing about. That's interesting. I hope that in as much as that has shown up, you saw the arrival of so many mutual aid societies and folks just, neighbors just saying, hey, this hurts or needs this. And all things, you know, showing up on on uh, porches and on front steps and whatnot. And that was beautiful. And there also is just a, I think one of the things that we need to reckon with, right, um, is what is our responsibility to each other? How do we show up in a way that it's not just, you know, I'm wearing my mask so I don't get sick, but that I, that I don't, that I do my part, right? And so how do we cultivate that sense of like, we are responsible for one another? We are. And I don't know either because in our neighborhood, you know that we have moved mm-hmm. and we have a 91-year-old woman that lives next door. Sure. And we have literally adopted her and she us. Like she thinks we're doing all this nice stuff. I like hanging out with 90-year-old wise women. Sure. Like this is not a favor. What a gift. Lorleen. Huh? It is a gift. And until we moved here, she was isolated beyond measure. And if you're me... No part of me is an introvert. I'm sure you know that. Really? And it's news. I'm putting it here out on the air. So now I'm out. I'm out. I'm not an introvert. Her stories about how she tried to reach out and she can't drive. Mm-hmm. There's a Lorleen in everybody's neighborhood. Absolutely. And she's delightful. Mm-hmm. And because of my life's journey, if I die and go to hell, I'll be a 91-year-old woman living by myself mm-hmm. and not being able to drive. Mm-hmm. So... You know, last night she came over for dinner. We had two hours of, she's politically aligned with us Mm -hmm. or she wouldn't be coming over to dinner probably. But there's such joy in that, what Mm -hmm. you're talking about, connecting. And I'm on a mission with the neighborhood, knocking on doors, introducing myself because things have to change. Mm -hmm. Things have to change. If, If I don't have electricity for three days and she might, guess what? Or vice versa. Right. There's things we can help each other. That's going to be interesting, right? What does it look like to, you know, have these outdoor spaces and when we hit 120 degrees or 110 degrees here in Tucson, it's going to be difficult. And we have to remember that there is wisdom in this desert. There are people who have built built entire cultures. We have to look, I mean, as much as we're innovating and looking forward and, and building the cities of the future, a lot of that technology, a lot of that innovation we need to remember to look back at what our ancestors because they already survived and aunties it. were doing. It. Yeah. They survived it. Yeah, absolutely. And thrived. And that wisdom is there, right? Yep. And we have to be able to listen to it. So I'm not surprised that we're up on the half hour. Oh, okay. Here it we was are. five minutes. That's how it felt like to me. It's like five <laughs> minutes. I'm seeing if Dave is texting me with how many minutes we have left, which is a soft end anyway. Sure. But what I'd like to end with 
Is there anything that we haven't touched on about why a place like HNS matters? It does matter, and mm-hmm. we know it. So even if you want to reiterate it, I've heard you articulate it. Why does it matter today, and why does it matter even more importantly for what we're building for the future? Is that? Yeah. Can you speak from well, your place of wisdom about that? Well, I don't know how much wisdom, but here's a thought anyway, is that it means something to be from a place, right? Yes. It means something to have um, some individuality and diversity, right? It's not just something that we want to honor because, you know, DEI is important, but it matters where we're from. It matters where we've been. It matters that, you know, when we travel, right? It, when we travel, that we, we go places and we, we buy the tchotchkes and we buy the things and we listen to the stories and we hear the music and it's special and the experiences because of that place is special. As much as we've cultivated sameness in this last few generations, we, we our heart longs for the, the thing of difference, I think, the, the yes. acknowledgement of, the, of the, the special little thing that is special, you know, that is unique to a place, you know. And so I think that HNS is, is um, a component and part of a constellation of placemaking for Southern Arizona, for Tucson, for South Tucson, for the neighborhood of Barrio Libre, because it is a you know, that dirt was, was advocated for, you know, it happens in a neighborhood. You, you, you go to the cleanups on, a, on every third, every third Saturday, y'all. Um, <laughs> and, and you hear the, you hear the, you hear the vibe of the neighborhood, the music playing, people out washing their cars, kids laughing, people playing, kids late playing in the street. It's joyful. It's, 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 it's joyful. alive. It it's, is. it's a legitimate, real thing. And in, in a time of rapid gentrification and, and cultural shift, I mean, cult, you know, change is the only thing that's constant in this world, right? I, uh, Lane, Lane reminded me of that last night. Um, it's nice to see that change and know that you are held securely in this thing that has persisted. It is. It is. And it stays with you. And I'm kind of cracking up because I've lived here over 50 years, Mm -hmm. which is obviously most of my adult life. Sure. And I still define myself as a Jersey girl. Sure. That's what you're talking about. I'm a Jersey girl. And I just connected with a friend that we grew up together. Sure. And what did I do? I said to her, will you, you know, will you bring egg bagels? Because <laughs> that's, but that's what you're talking I'm about. Sure. It's the food that you remember. It's the laughter. It's all of those things. And we talked about this deli we used to go to. She reminded me that I used to always drink a chocolate Coke. Like oh, seriously, sure. who did that? She goes, you'd get a Taylor pork roll sandwich or a, a pork roll sandwich and a chocolate Coke. But those are great Do you memories. remember the smell? Yes. You catch it every so often and I, it I takes do. you back. Right? Prost, Prost talks about that, right? Yep. About the lavender scone. And there's something really important about that. And we're going to need These memories it. are laid at a genetic level. Yep. And it matters. It matters. It matters. We're going to need it going It's forward. what else allows us uh, to connect to our own basic humanity, I yeah. think. I, I agree. I agree. It was a magical place from the beginning to end, and I'll be back there more. Oh, I hope so. And COVID, you know, took a turn for all of us. And I just want to thank you and honor you for mm. how you show up in the community because it really matters. Lots Thanks. of eyes are on you, which comes with a lot of responsibility. And if anything, I'm sure of, you're up to it. You're up to the call. And as we go forward, 
this community really needs leaders like you. And I'm Mm -hmm. so honored to have you here and to be my friend and to have you share the message of why places like House of Neighborly Service matter. So thanks for showing up in my world. Absolutely. Y'all come visit and um, yeah, come check us out. Be the change. (laughs) 